family and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Holy go. crap, there's a lot going on, and Andrew Heaney will not be. A Toronto Blue Jay, Jesse Rubinoff, a lot of fans out there yelling and screaming about Andrew Heaney being a Blue Jay. Mm. He won't be a Blue Jay. No, he won't. No, no, no he's, he's not going to be a Blue Jay. Not a Blue Jay. But Gallif and Rubinoff here with you for the next 90 as we get you set for the Leafs and Stars. That's right here. That's right. We're going streaking with Marner and Jason Robertson. We're going streaking! Bring your fan and his green hat. We're going streaking. We also got a pair of NBA games on the network, including LeBron and the Red Hot Lakers. Hold on. LeBron and the Red Hot Lakers, yeah. Jesse Rubinoff? Uh, from like a month ago or two months ago. That didn't seem like that was a thing. <laughs> it is kind of sort of a thing. And guess what? Bron's going back to Cleveland again before a stop in Toronto on Wednesday. We'll be watching him a wee bit mm-hmm. over the next couple of days. We've also got Craig Forrest on the first upset. In the round of 16, and why Ronaldo is a douche, we'll also get to whether or not Canada soccer can seize the moment on the women's and men's side. Bleep the Dos Equis guy, the most interesting man alive, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, is also stopping by in about 20 minutes. I don't always talk to NFL players, but when I do, I prefer LDT. Very good. Jesse, that's not blowing smoke, right? Like, that... That book that you're holding in your hand, Mm -hmm. the dude on the front of that book might be the most interesting man on planet Earth. Super Bowl champion? Yeah. NFL player? (laughs) Medical doctor? (laughs) Book writer? Walked away from In other words, an author? (laughs) Book writer? (laughs) Author? Both those things? Walked away from an NFL career to go on the front lines in the middle of a global pandemic? Yeah, that too. Once uh, sailed with his family to the Bahamas during a school year. Did I, mention, did I mention author? He did it twice. What no, book writer. Book writer, yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Laurent Duvernay-Tardif will join us a little later on. The, uh, the aforementioned book writer. <laughs> and quickly becoming a cult favorite among the hockey folk. Tuesdays with Kipper as Nick Kiprios co-host for the final half hour. This show has the chance to be... Well, they'll be more ridiculous than this strike. <laughs> that is so good because if you watch it one more time, and Matt, I'm going to ask you, watch the kid's hand. What? <laughs> Did you see it? Watch the strike one more time. Watch the batter's left hand. I mean, <laughs> the ump just wants, he clearly just He's wants to get out of there. Yeah. Yeah, we don't Which know the not, circumstances. Could have been 45 straight balls before that. Yeah, but, I mean, that's, you. there's video of it. He, he should be, right? He shouldn't ump another game when you have video evidence like that. So good. Or a call for if you watch job, as much yeah. children's baseball as I watch. <laughs> You're kind of sort of okay with that. It could be ridiculous in a good way, at least we hope, as long as I don't screw this show up. In fact, just so I don't, why don't we go to Evan on Twitter for the start of First Things First with Jess and Rubinoff. And Evan Streifel, I hope, uh-huh. Evan Streifel suggested, mm-hmm. let's get it all square, Christine Sinclair. Oh, that's very good. Yes. Well done, Evan. First Things First. 
All right, let's start with a couple of wild comebacks from last night oh in God. Vancouver. The Canucks came back from a 4-0 deficit to take the Habs in a ridiculous performance. It was 5-4, they blew the lead again, and 7-6 was the final score for the Canucks in overtime. And meanwhile, of course it was. In the NFL, the Bucs trailed the Saints 16-3 with just over five minutes to go. And somehow, someway, inexplicably, Tom Brady led Tampa on two late touchdown drives to complete his NFL record 44th career, fourth quarter comeback. Which comeback was crazier for you? Let's be honest here. With five minutes left in a 60-minute football game, Tom Brady was done. By mm -hmm. most pundits currently tweeting on the Twitter machine, Tom Brady's career was basically over and done with as he was losing to the New Orleans Saints on home field, scoring three points with five minutes left in the game. And by the end of that comeback, five minutes, less than five minutes on the clock, he was back to being the GOAT. Mm -hmm. Have you ever seen Twitter do as quick a turnabout as they did with Tom Brady last night? And I watched the entire Canucks game, the comeback, all of that-ish. I was jaw-dropped by it all. It didn't even come close to what we saw with the Bucks <laughs> and Tom Brady specifically. Tim. He was done with five minutes left, and by the end, he was the GOAT again. I mean, if I show my own group chats, guilty as charged. <laughs> Guilty as charged. I yeah. was like, that's it. He's done. Had a good run. It's 45. Maybe time to pack it in. That's it. Yeah. And then I literally tweeted like 10 minutes later, the GOAT does it again. <laughs> your friend like, should have shown you receipts. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> the guy's unbelievable. They had no business being in that game at all. They and, weren't. And somehow he just, he manifests it. Like they scored the touchdown. Then there was a holding call. And you're like, well, he's not going to do it again, is they he? He just gave him numerous opportunities by not being good enough themselves yes. to close that thing out. Yes. Mark Ingram steps one yard further. That game is over. We don't have any of this. The, the narrative today would have been Tom Brady is washed. But they gave the GOAT opportunity after opportunity, and when you do that, eventually he's going to come through, and he did come through. I'm just amazed at how quickly the narrative can turn. Yes. Especially if you're watching a No line. question. If you just watch it at the end, okay, Tom Brady come back they're not really that good we all kind of know they're not really that good I've already cashed my ticket on the Bucks under in wins and I showed the receipts to Jesse Rubin that you did earlier today so I woke up to 11 and a mm -hmm. half yeah. start the you wake up that late really what time did you send it I don't know well I got kids you don't yeah damn. there you go <laughs> either way I've never seen anything like that and I've been watching Twitter since it originated yes five it, minutes it was wild the five minutes he turned yeah it was amazing very impressive yeah. uh well, you said not quite as wild, but pretty wild in itself was the Canucks and Habs. What does the crazy victory mean for Vancouver? Nothing. Yeah. Okay. To neither team. Okay. Both of them. Like, it was just exciting. If you were watching it and you've been a long-suffering Canucks fan or you've been a Habs fan that's gone through the ups and downs of the last little while, you're like, ho-hum. Mm -hmm. And if you're a Canucks fan, you got a little bit of joy out of seeing them come back from before. First off, you want to bury them at 4 nothing. Then you get a little bit of joy of them coming back, but you still know in the back of your heart, in the back of your mind, that this team's not good enough. In fact, Thomas Drance said it right on Twitter at the end of it when he said the Canucks are an everything bagel. They are flawed and electric, fragile and resilient, not bad enough and not good enough. To that I say...
sesame seed or poppy seed. Really? Sometimes pumpernickel. Really? Yeah. You're not an everything bagel. No. Too much there. Really? Yeah. Especially if you're putting locks on it or cream cheese. Like that's just way too much going on. Everything bagel. Not bad. Not good. Yeah. Okay. I disagree, but that's fine. Are you an everything bagel guy? I like it. Right. I think it adds a little, little bit of a punch. We have absolutely no time. That's fine. Yeah, that's why I said it's fine. To, to batter disagree each other on the totally everything fine. bagel. But if we, we were, off air. If, if I were to define the everything bagel the way Thomas Drance did, do the Vancouver Can yeah. Canucks not fit the bill? Yes, 100%. <laughs> yeah. he, he hit the nail on that. Without a doubt. Yeah. And hey, in the battle of the legends last night in Edmonton, uh, McDavid got one. He's got 22 on the year. Ovechkin held off the score sheet. Still 101 back of Gretzky despite five shots on goals. The Capitals won 3-2. Did you know, Jesse, did you know, Canada, that after our breakdown of Ovi's chase of the Great Ones goals record last week, our friends at Bet Rivers were not only watching the show, they were tracking our numbers and have crafted a bet on the chase of one of sports' greatest all-time records. If you think Ovi can pass the great one by the end of next season, there are some interesting odds that you can find <laughs> on Bet Rivers. Head to the app, search specials. Uh, you can find this page that you're looking at right now. If you think Ovi can break the goals mark by the end of next season, the odds are plus 2,400 or 24 to 1. Now, as you know, I'm a sucker for numbers. So Ovechkin is 102 away from breaking the mark. If he played every game from now until then, it's 137 games. So 102 in 137 games is a pace of 0.74 goals per game, which would be above his career rate of 0.61, which is why you're getting the plus 2,400. That said... Scoring in the NHL is up. I don't know if you heard Elliot Friedman over the weekend. Mm. He was talking about the numbers going up. So I wonder if it may be worth a sprinkle. As always, you decide. And as always, please play responsibly. Well, he's also just clearly set on getting to the goal mark. So he's motivated. Where's that too? Uh, and I know that you uh, suggested a sprinkle yesterday. Oh, yes, I did. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. And it could be Portugal, Spain, but let me just lay this out there. If you're sprinkling, kids, I think Morocco may be worth a play mm. against Spain. Spoiler alert, they won. <laughs> I was going to ask if they did anything today. <laughs> anything of significance? Some highlights a little bit later. Love on, it. Jesse, really okay, let's go to basketball now. Well. Here on First Things First, the Boston Celtics became the first team in the NBA to win 20 games this season with a 116-110 win over the Toronto Raptors last night. Jason Tatum scored 17 of his 31 points in the third quarter as Boston took control. MVP-like? And you like Tatum, that's for sure. Uh, Nick Nurse called it a measuring stick game. So did we learn anything about the Raptors last night? Yes, they're not there. Ooh. And I know that uh, that can be determined by the rest of the season. Mm -hmm. I also don't know how much time they have to figure out whether or not they can get there. Like, we've told you the entire year, this will be a season of hard decisions for the Toronto Raptors. If you watch Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum work last night, mm -hmm. and Pascal Siakam played very well, you realized how plug-and-play this team is with those two superstars. They had other guys out, they still look good, and improved to 16-2 and since their 4-3 and three start.
the Toronto Raptors aren't there and they don't have a ton of time to get there, at least for Gary Trent. Do you see it any other way? No, I honestly think this team is sort of, I believe in them to the extent that they just are a middle of the pack team that could probably make the playoffs, but they're capped. They're going to need help from the front office. That's just the way, what it comes down to. And they're not getting enough contributions, which leads me to my next question. Fred Van Vliet's really struggling right now. 35% from the field. Yeah. 34% from three. Yep. Uh, and it's been especially bad over the last four games. Are you concerned about what you've no, seen? No, Freddie's history suggests to me that he will bounce out of this mm -hmm. and he will be better. I don't know how banged up he is. It looks like his jump shot just isn't there. However, his history would suggest to me that he will find it. And even yesterday, he was impacting the game in different ways without his scoring. I'm yeah. not worried about Freddie Van Vliet. I'm worried about the rest of it all, though, given what they are right now, they need Freddie Van Vliet to be at 100%. an all-star level yeah. for them to be any good. And that's not fair to Freddie and Pascal. And OG, who's growing into that. We even heard compliments from other guys on the other team once again about OG. They do that when they win, eh? But, yeah, they're 500. Yeah. And the hot Lakers team's coming to town. They could be under 500. Like, there are pieces here without a doubt. I just don't know what they are yet. And the Raptors are going to have to figure it out. And it may cost Gary Trent because he's at the end of an expiring deal. Yes. Although... He does have a player option that yes. he'll probably decline next year. It's I find it really funny how uh, the Celtics are so complimentary after they win the game and they're in a great mood. Don't find it funny. <laughs> All right, staying with the NBA. The Pacers pulled off a huge upset last night, snapping the Warriors' 10-game home winning streak with a 112-104 victory. With Indiana missing their two best players, Tyrese Halliburton and Miles Turner, it was Canadian rookie Andrew Nemhard, who had the game of his life with 31 points, 13 dimes, and eight boards. Did you know Nemhard was capable of that type of performance? I knew he was good, but he out-curried Curry. Yeah, he did. Like, he out-curried Steph Curry. Nemhard had 31 points, as you mentioned, eight rebounds, 13 assists. Those numbers, he's just the seventh rookie in NBA history to do that. The other guys, Oscar Robertson, Michael Jordan, Kevin Johnson, Steve Francis, Steph Curry, Trey Young, and now Andrew Nemhard. Just listen to what his head coach, Rick Carlisle, said about Nemhard after the game. You know, down the line, you know, when Hoopsite does their redraft of the, of the 22 draft, he'd be a top 15 pick. I'm, I'm elevating that to, you know, top 10. I mean, he's, he really is a special player. And, uh, you know, our, uh, our basketball people, Kevin Pritchard and Chad Buchanan and Kelly and Ted, I mean, I, they just hit it out of the park with him. I mean, this guy's got amazing poise. He's strong. He's old school, but new school. You know, he's just special. Just another one, too. Shout out SGA. We had another 30-point game. There are two other Canadians who combined to get that win to stop a 10-game home winning streak for the Golden State Warriors. There's just there's an abundance of Canadian talent out there, and it's fun to watch. No question. Nemhart played 131 college games, didn't score more than 25 points. So talk about a career night. That's amazing. In Florida and Gonzaga, that's awesome. Great stat, Jesse. Uh, okay. <laughs> oh, I got one. Appreciate you. Yeah. Uh, all right, we've been talking about it for a while, and a women's professional soccer league is finally coming to Canada. 
Former Canadian international Diana Matheson and her business partner announced plans Monday for an eight-team league set to launch in 2025. The Vancouver Whitecaps and Calgary Foothills are the first two confirmed clubs with the remaining six teams expected to be announced next year. Christine Sinclair and Stephanie Labay, friends of the show, will also be involved in the development of the league. Do you think this operation can work? Okay, preamble time. I would hope by this time the most everyone in Canadian soccer watching this show knows that I'm not just a fan of women's soccer, not just a supporter of women's soccer, but a firm believer in having domestic pro leagues in our home and native land. Jesse, you know this. I've been screaming that we need domestic pro leagues in soccer and basketball, men's and women's, not only to provide a pathway, but to develop our young talent, coaches, referees, trainers, athletic therapists, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So to me, this is a no-brainer. In fact, of the top 10 nations in the world in the women's game, we're the only ones without a pro league of our own. We can't bank on the Americans for everything. We have over 100 Canadian women playing pro in other countries, so it's about bloody time we bring them home. But just like the CPL, and the CEBL before them asked the commissioner of the Basketball League how much I grilled him about his business plan <laughs> and what they were attempting to do before they launched because I give a bleep and I have real questions about the sustainability of this league, which is almost as important as the announcement, the ability to sustain it. Got a ton of respect for Diana Matheson and Christine Sinclair, but I can't help but wonder just what exactly the project of eight sports really is, why they only announced two of eight teams, why Canada soccer isn't involved yet, or why the CPL and their owners wouldn't want to be involved or why they wouldn't want to have them involved, filling dates in their stadium and being tied to the CSB to further that partnership with the CSA, the Canadian Soccer Association. That said... I thought when the woman captured the hearts of this nation in 2012 London Olympic Games when almost 4 million people in this country alone watched Canada and the United States in an Olympic semifinal, that would be enough to get a league. It didn't happen. I thought in 2016 another podium finish at the Olympics, okay, at least one pro team, even in the NWSL. Guess what? It didn't happen. Then when gold happened in Tokyo. Four and a half million Canadians watching live on TV, another three quarters of a million streaming the game. That's right, more people watching women's soccer than anything else in the entire Olympic Games. In Canada, I thought it would happen, it didn't. So I guess some of my questions about the timing and who was involved are answered. If nobody else is going to do this, Matheson, Sinclair, good on you. Bleep it. We'll do it ourselves. Their tagline is, it's time. You know what? I get it. In fact, it's well past time for women's soccer to get a pro league in this country. I mean, you have been talking about this for quite some time. I know you spoke about it when Christine Sinclair was in here. Yeah. So... Kudos to them for and taking we'll, the And we'll talk to Diana Matheson about the business plan and all the things around it to make sure that uh, we can all jump on board with yeah. two feet. Yeah. And, and I hope that this comes to fruition, has a good business plan, and we can make it work in this country by supporting grassroots-level sports. No doubt. Which is crazy to say that about women's professional sports. But we'll, where we're at right Craig now. Forrest coming by a little yeah. bit later. I'm sure we'll talk about yeah. that. Uh, today is the National Day of Remembrance and Action on Violence Against Women. 
It's also the 33rd anniversary of the Ecole Polytechnique massacre, an anti-feminist attack that killed 13, 14 women and injured 13 others at the Montreal Engineering School in 1989. And while ceremonies were held across the city to mark the solemn anniversary, Canadians goalie Carey Price offered an apology to those affected by the massacre days after an ill-timed and insensitive Instagram post opposing the federal government's new firearms bill. In the post, Price said he supported the Canadian Coalition for Firearm Rights, a group that recently used the promotional code POLY to offer customers 10% off its merchandise. Last night, the Habs issued a statement that said Price was unaware of the CCFR's recent marketing campaign and the timing of his post. But today, Price posted his own apology that said he was aware of the tragedy. So, Timmy, what's your reaction to all of this? Like, I don't know what's more shocking here, the tone-deaf nature of some of the people involved in this debacle from the start, that one of the greatest franchises in all of sports lied by saying that Carey Price didn't know about the timing of his post or and that Price himself was the one who aired them out for mm. it, or the amount of people that can't have legitimate, respectful debate on an issue as important as gun control. Like, I do know this. Attaching the promo code POLY for a 10% off a firearms lobby group's merchandise is not only vile and disgusting, it may be the stupidest thing they ever did. Like, I don't think any civil human being thinks that that is anywhere close to being something that will help the lobby's cause and whoever the hell came up with that. Like, we we might not be able to agree on much these days. That promo code, I think we can all agree, was moronic. No doubt. As for what I do best, which I've been told is being somewhat level-headed, thoughtful, and then sports, sports. Gary Price put his teammates and his coaches in an awfully tough spot. I'm sure he knows that. But if that's something that you believe in and that you feel important to do, and that, as he has expressed, is important to him and important to his community, I will fight for his right to say it, just as I did with Colin Kaepernick, who was on hand at Nelson Mandela night last night at Scotiabank Arena. Now, I don't have to agree with what you say, but I will leave room for you to express it, and I will listen to it. That's healthy discourse. I think growing up where I did, in a big city like Toronto, and growing up where Carey Price did in Anaheim Lake, we had probably a lot different experiences with guns. Mm -hmm. In fact, I'm sure of that. But we need to listen to each other more than just screaming at each other what you think. There's a quote out there. Most of the successful people I've known are the ones doing more listening than talking, which is probably why I talk for a living. <laughs> but I digress. I also try to listen, and I think we should do a hell of a lot more listening. If it weren't for the timing of all this, we'd be okay with all of it. It's just the timing is so gross and the yeah. promo code is disgusting. The promo code is, is horrendous. Like what, what can you say? I think you hit the nail on the head. Right. And, and yes, all, uh, the discourse, I second that. Hear, hear to that. Because yeah. just everyone... Yelling and screaming does nobody anything. It doesn't accomplish any anything. No, does not. You're bang on. Still to come, Nick Caprios in studio as we tee up the Leafs and the Stars. Do some smoke or fire. Craig Forrest on the dramatic day at the World Cup and the continued growth of Canadian soccer. Men's and women's side, plus after the break, he's back on a football field. He's the writer of books. He's Lorraine Duvardet Tardif, and he will join me next right here on Timmy Fence. Awesome. The legend that is Christine Sinclair. We want to make sure kids can have Christine Sinclair jerseys. There needs to be a future, and we see far too many young girls dropping out of sports, and hopefully this can, can help change that. Watch this offensive line and what they clear here. Lamont, Duvernay, Tardy. look at that block. Let's go! 
Captain to see you. Oh, he's lined up and nailed by Truba. Last time I checked, hitting was still legal in the NHL, and uh, maybe he should get his head up and stop whining to the reporters. Jason Robertson will pick up an assist to extend the Dallas record point streak to 18 games. Murder scores! 19! The longest point streak in Toronto Maple Leaf history! Uh, this is a ridiculously jam-packed show, Jesse. Did Aaron Judge just sign with the Giants? What the hell's going on? Okay, here, here it goes in 30 seconds or less. At 523, John Heyman tweets that Aaron Judge appears headed to the Giants. That's mm -hmm. what you see right there. Then Andy Martino says, as of 522 Pacific time, the Yankees have not been told that they're out on Judge, and Andy Martino is uh, with yeah, the Yankees SMY. at SMY. Yep. And then John Heyman says... As of 527, the Giants say they have not heard on Aaron Judge. My apologies for jumping the gun. And as you see there, John Heyman, a baseball columnist at wow. the New York Post. Right. So, wow. Yes. We will wow, keep wow, wow. our eye on whether or not Aaron Judge goes home or maybe going back to the New York <laughs> Yankees. Uh, that's juicy. Listen, Yikes. my next guest has been on my radar since uh, then athletic director at McGill. Uh, Dr. Drew Love told me that he had an all-Canadian O-lineman that could eventually also be one of the school's most skilled surgeons or something like that. Either way, I was in. Then I watched in awe as he was drafted into the NFL, found a starting spot, ho-hum, won a Super Bowl, all while completing his Doctor of Medicine, then walking away in his prime in the middle of a global pandemic to be an orderly on the front lines. With all due respect, because this man could drive block me <laughs> to oblivion, uh, I don't think I'm coming close to doing Laurent Duvernay-Tardif justice. So thankfully, he wrote a book about it. It's called Red Zone, From the Offensive Line to the Front Line. Canada's Athlete of the Year, Sports Illustrated, Sportsman of the Year, Jets guard, medical doctor, my constant Monday motivation to do a hell of a lot more. <laughs> LDT joins me now. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Thanks for doing this. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for the, the introduction. That's awesome, too. <laughs> I appreciate that. I, I, as I'm reading it off, the only thing I can think of is how the hell? Like, didn't you have enough on your plate? How do you get author in that list of things that I just rattled off here? I mean, I, mean, I, I barely speak English now, so, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I didn't write that thing myself. But right. it, was a, it was a pretty long process. Honestly, it took me uh, two years, I think. I've been working on it with different orders. And uh, it's, uh, it's been also like a, kind of a, a reflection on my career as a whole. Of course, the pandemic. Uh, um, use a big, you know, as a spotlight of, of this book and kind of my journey as I went through it. But I, I think it's more than that. You know, it's a reflection on on the role of professional sports, on, on the balance, the, the role of uh, how mental health play a role in, in athlete performance. Like we mm -hmm. talk about so many different things like in, in this book, but but of course we we use the the course of the the last three years with the pandemic, the Super Bowl, the transition from you know the front line uh, and the red zone of, on a football field to the the front line in the medical world uh but but yeah i think it's a it's a great book I, i'm really proud of it i i often ask athletes when they write a book if they enjoyed the process because rarely do we take the time and relive life's most important decisions so what was it like going through all that for you it was interesting because as i was writing it you know i was going through a training camp uh with the kansas city chiefs after being away from football for a year uh, as I was reviewing the final step of the the process, I was getting trade to the New York Jets, and I had to like change the story as it was evolving. So it was 
it was it was a pretty interesting process but i think what you get in this book is really authentic you know it's how i saw life for the last eight years in the nfl uh, realizing that the privilege that you have, I think, as a professional athlete to, to play sport, to play football for a living and how it's important also to give back to your community and how so many athletes are doing that now. And for me, you know, with all the platform that I've built over the year, my calling has always been help. And that's what I try to promote. So when the pandemic happened, it, it became kind of natural for me to to make that transition and to go help my community on the front line. But but I feel like so many athletes are doing that and it's important to do so because uh, we're privileged, you know, and, and at some point it's important to give back. That's awesome. And, and I, I know that in the end, a lot of people hailed you for what you did. But from the athletic side of it, like how many texts, how many notes did you get when you said, I'm going to opt out of this season and go to the front lines as an orderly? You, you know what? I, I got a few, you know, and, and that's that's actually when I realized that I made the right decision. Mm. You know, I, I remember I was on my balcony and I was writing this tweet, you know, and you got to kind of summarize your your whole, you know, reasoning for why you upped out of an NFL season after coming off a Super Bowl in, in 140 character. And, and when I send, you know, a tweet and I, I got text from my friend saying, like, congrats, we respect the hell out of your decision and to go into media the next day and to support me publicly, like that's when I it kind of lift a tremendous amount of weight off your shoulders, because, you know, yes, I was going to help on the front line, but I was also, you know, leaving, you know, my my other team, you know, and, and the football locker room, like you're so close with your teammate. It's yeah. it's such a an intense environment. Whether you win, whether you lose, you do it together, you know, and to leave that environment to do do something else, uh, I wasn't sure exactly how it was gonna be received, but to 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 show like to receive that support for me that was a was amazing. I think it really validated my decision. To get to that decision though, Laurent how many people told you that you couldn't do both? <laughs> uh, so many. Uh, and and it, it became almost at some point kind of a, a motivation, you know, yeah. you, you, because we're telling so many kids right now that they got to choose. They cannot do everything. They got to focus on one area of expertise yeah. and become expert at it. And I think my message is that we can do so much more and it's important also to do more like the importance of balance i think i'm a better football player because i got medicine and i think i'm i will be a better physician because of my experience on the football field you know you right. learn so much in terms of social social skills learning how to win learning how to lose so i think it became important for me at some point to kind of promote that and that's why also i started my foundation you know we gotta we gotta show kids that it's important to do more than one thing and Yes, we can do it. You know, if you're passionate about things, you're not going to count the hours and you're just going to make it happen. Yeah, without a doubt. That's that's so important is having something that you're passionate about. And if you have one, two, three, four, you even have the fuller life. So so you're back in the NFL with the Jets. You've already pulled off the unthinkable, at least in my mind. No active player is ever being an, a medical doctor. Why did you feel the need to go back and, and, and prove yourself again? You know what? After opting out of uh, the NFL season in 2020, I promised myself I was going to go back because I wanted to show that it was possible. I, right. And it kind of became an obsession of like, OK, I'm going to work out. I'm going to train. I'm going to go back. And I did it I, and I ended up, you know, getting traded to the Jets. And this offseason, I think the idea was really different. I had to start my medical practice. I had to start my practice at the Jewish General Hospital here in Montreal. And, and 
that's why I didn't accept any offer in the offseason. And right. now here I am. The Jets are doing good. They need some help on the O-line. They called me and I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this one just for me. Uh, and, and I'm going out there uh, just because I love football. And honestly, it's an amazing feeling. You take so many things for granted when you're in the NFL for like a long time. Yeah. But like just to show up on a Wednesday practice, to to strap out your shoulder pads and to go out there, it's 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 a great feeling, you know, and you're out there with your friends. You're out there to win. You're out there to play football. Uh, so that's that's really why I wanted to go back this this season. It was to just to enjoy it, you know, and, and also because you never want to leave a doubt. Like who knows? Like if I had if like if I would retire, like you don't know how you're gonna feel about it. Now I'm, at least I'm gonna go. I'm gonna play. Hopefully play, and, and we'll see what happened from there. That's awesome. I, I know from a little research that you sailed with your family to I believe the Bahamas and back over a year, and you did it twice. Uh, I'm sure you had to, had some time to think on those trips, <laughs> just a wee bit. Do, did you ever think, I mean, leave out the whole global pandemic thing, which is hard for any of us to comprehend, but did you ever think that all of this was possible, what you've achieved in the last five to ten years? <laughs> uh, no, honestly, back then, I, I don't think I even knew that the Super Bowl was a thing you know we, we grew up at home not watching TV and I for sure didn't didn't watch any football growing up uh, but I just loved the sport and I remember actually the the, the second year that we left on that sailboat trip uh-huh. uh, I was supposed to play football and, and my parents told me like no you know what like just skip a year like play badminton and and then we'll leave and then when you come back you can always play football if you enjoy it and, and that was tough for me you know i was 16 years old i was barely getting into a sport that i really enjoy and and i left on that you know amazing experience with my two sisters and my parents and and we literally live on a sailboat for a whole year i was doing boat school uh my parents were like dropping me off on an island and i was basically going to the school and talking like creole and english and i barely knew english at the time and that was just a different way of learning and a different experience and just being open, being curious, being open minded. And and I think that that helped me in a sense, you know, in a way when you're parachute into a football locker room uh, as a French Canadian yeah. who played at McGill University in 2014 with the <laughs> Kansas City Chiefs, uh, it helped, you know, to have that approach of just being curious, being open minded. Um, yeah, it was an amazing experience. Hey, last one for you. I think it's important to tell people. Um, if you do great things, there can be great rewards as well. What's the coolest thing that you've been able to do because of all this? Like, was there a selfish moment in all this where even a guy who has a, a Super Bowl championship who, who stood on the field with his family where says, looks at what, what's happening right now and says, no, nah, this is effing cool. Like, was there ever one of those moments for you uh, over the last little while? Yeah, I mean, there, there's so many of those. And I think it's... Yeah, I think it's all those interaction uh, with kids. You know, you you walk in Montreal during the offseason and you see somebody with a Kansas City hat and you're like, that would have not happened 10 years ago. And of course, there's like Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs won the Super Bowl and everything. But then they recognize you and they come to you and you just talk with them and you take a minute. And it's, it's I feel like you have the power to like. I have the power to influence people in a positive way, and that's a privilege, you know. And, and that's uh, those those little interaction at the grocery store uh, w- when you're driving somewhere. Like it, I think those are the nicest moment, and because they're they're authentic. Like people see you, and they're like, "All right, you you're actually real, and we can talk about football, we can talk about stuff." And when people compliment you for things 
other than what you did on the football field, for me, that's uh, that's always really touching and humbling. Uh, I feel like I could ask you questions forever, but I can't. Uh, like I said <laughs> off the top, thankfully you have written a book, Red Zone, 4.7 rating on Amazon as we speak. Wherever you get your books, you can find this one. Thanks for this. Come back anytime. Honestly, I mean that. Uh, I would love to continue the conversation anytime you have the moment. Thank you, Laurent. Thank you so much, guys. There is uh, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif. You can see the book Red Zone again wherever you get your books. Uh, doctor, NFL champ. Book writer. <laughs> Book writer. <laughs> Author. Author. Right. <laughs> Time for a break. When we come back, we'll get to today's World Cup highlights as the round of 16 wrapped up with some drama. Plus, Craig Forrest joins us in studio to discuss the World Cup and a new women's pro league in Canada. All things Canadian soccer, maybe a little Morocco and Portugal mixed in. This jam-packed edition of Tim and Friends continues with the round of 16 wrapping up at the World Cup today. It has been chalk. All favorites in the knockout round before today. Morocco looking to change that against Spain. Someone said to you yesterday there might be a chance. We picked this one up already in extra time. 104th minute. Walid Chidira, low shot. And Unai Simon with a great save. Kick save and a beauty. Stoppage time. Back post cross. Pablo Sariba thought he ended it, found the far post. Penalties were needed for a shooter for Spain. Sarabia, chance for redemption. Woodworth again. Morocco ahead, 1-0. Third shooter, now 2-0. Sergio Busquets, low shot. And the Montreal-born Yassine Bono makes the diving save to keep it out. Morocco can win with the goal. So here is Spanish-born and raised Ashraf Hakimi. And Morocco pull off the upset and advance to their first World Cup quarterfinal. 3-0 on penalties after a 0-0 game. More drama. This time kind of sort of off the pitch. Cristiano Ronaldo not in the starting 11 for Portugal after sulking after he was subbed. First time since 2008, and the young man who replaced him looked pretty damn good. And Ragosa, he has thundered that in. What a mighty hit on a dream night for the kid. 21-year-old Gonzalo Ramos making his World Cup debut makes it 1-0. 51st minute, now 2-0. Diogo Dallo centers for Ramos. This time, he will redirect it home for his brace. Portugal lead 3-0. He was not done. Ramos on side, little chip. He becomes the second youngest man to score a hat trick in a World Cup knockout game after Pelé. Replacing Ronaldo, the Benfica striker helps Portugal to a 6-1 win without Cristiano Ronaldo. So the quarterfinal is set. Morocco-Portugal is the one outside the rest of the Blue Bloods, which includes Netherlands, Argentina, Croatia, Brazil, and of course, England and France. Joining me in studio to discuss all this is Craig Forrest. Yes, sir. Longtime national team member. Well, thanks, Long time friend of the show, yes. Craig Forrest. 
Cristiano Ronaldo on the bench. Portugal 6-1 winners in his replacement to Hattrick. Unbelievable. Ramos was actually incredible. Like it's like it's like this new player is just showing up for Portugal and right. amazing. I think you know his three appearances before didn't even add up to 30 minutes or something. You know, so this is his first real show, and he comes on for the legendary Ronaldo. And now I don't think there's any question that Ronaldo sits on the bench for at least the next start of the next game. But what do they do with him now, right? Now, is managing Ronaldo that seems to be a potential issue? But I hope uh, when you're winning six-one though. The questions that could have been asked after this game of Cristiano Ronaldo and all that he has done with mm. all the Man U stuff, with all the sulking, that all goes away. Like you've given yourself yeah. the, the, you, the stay, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like you've given yourself the stay with the 6-1 win, and it's unbelievable. It is, is there any solace for Canadian soccer fans watching this and seeing Croatia and Morocco go through to the quarterfinals? Well, that's a really good point because, I mean, yeah, but yeah, two teams out of the Canadian group actually get to the quarterfinals, which is just spectacular, and it shows the strength of the group, and we knew it was difficult. Um, number two in the world, Belgium, they miss out with Canada, so, you know, it shows the strength of these two sides, and, and resilience with, as well, uh, both those sides, Croatia and Morocco. Morocco has only conceded one goal, and that's uh, against Canada, and that was an own goal. Uh, so they are really tough to break down. They were in qualifying, and they they really stick to their guns. And yeah, they're, they're difficult to beat. The Spanish aren't happy the way they played, but no. you know they're used to the Spanish playing against blocks that sit deep and compact with club levels. It's what they face all the time. If you you got 90 or 120 minutes to break them down, and then the penalty shots, uh, you know you can only blame yourself. And they were poor penalties, even though Bono does very well. The Montreal-born lad. So has your pick to win this tournament changed? Well, I went Brazil from the start, and I, I think I'll stick with. I, I think I'm okay. <laughs> I think I'm okay. Yeah, they look pretty good. But it's great to see, you know. Yeah. And it's good to see Portugal playing that well because that was that was an amazing display. I had expected so much more from Switzerland, at least a little bit more resistance. Yeah, without a doubt. So, yeah. uh, listen, I want to get to a bunch of things, and we don't have a ton of time here because the show is down 90 minutes, and and I want to get to Canadian soccer because um, we got. Women's League, we've got some massive moves here. Ishmael Kone yeah. is headed to England. Alistair Johnson headed to Celtic. Now mm -hmm. we're hearing rumors around Tejan Buchanan being linked to Napoli, among other teams in Serie A. What, what does this all mean for the average Canadian sports fan who might not understand what the hell I'm talking about here? Well, I mean, they're big moves, uh, obviously, and they're also stepping stones. Even though Glasgow Celtics, I mean, it's a massive, massive club, but they don't play in a in a, a tier one league, unfortunately. And it does show when they get one to Europe, they get they get smashed. But it's a difficult position for them because they don't have the Premier League money. Uh, I mean, that's where the money is, is in, in the England. And they're never going to get into the Premier League because nobody's anybody going to vote for it. But, but you can get looks in Champs League games with Celtic, right? Oh, sure. It's yeah. a great stepping stone, right. right, to maybe better things, bigger contracts. Uh, absolutely it is. Uh, you know, so I think what it means mostly for Canadian uh females and males is that uh, there's opportunities and they're now opening the door. I've had calls from several different agents asking about women, asking about men, where do we go, where do we look, right. where are these players? So this has all changed. So the dynamic and certainly the, the feel for Canadian players has changed uh, completely. You know, the perspective is, is much different about Canadian players. Uh, it used right. to be a, an anchor on our backs usually when you went to Europe. You had to be better than anybody else and not just as good. Like, oh, he's Canadian, ah, she's Canadian. Right. Pass him off and now it's like, oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Or the, or I've seen a few Brazilians show up for trials, and you know, just because they're Brazilian, they're right, 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 right. Okay, so let's talk about the the women's league that was announced last night. Mm. Diana Matheson, Christine Sinclair, among those involved, two teams as of right now: White Cops and Calgary Foothills. Um, what, what's your take on the overall outlook of this? And you know, I said earlier I had some questions, but if no one else was going to do it, bleep it. Might as well you be doing it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like if you're Diana yeah. Madison and Christine Sinclair, yeah. listen, you waited long enough. Let's go. Yeah, exactly. So they announced those two teams. I mean, there's a lot of work to be done before uh, it actually comes to fruition. But it's a it's a stepping stone. But I also have to, you know, there's some concerns economically about it. Like, where's, sure. where are they going to get the money from? Uh, is are their sponsors going to pay for all their flights? Because you know, looking at what happened in England, the Euro in the summer was fantastic. You know, 60, 70,000 people, really well received. The growth of the game's massive. But if you look at Man City, Man United, and Chelsea, West Ham, all these teams that are in the, in the Super League, Women's League, they average about 1,500 a game. So those are with massive brands on them. So right. once, you, you know, we're not even talking about massive brands starting off. This is, you know, uh, uh, is it going to be fresh? So it's going to be a challenge, but uh, I think we're, we're, we're certainly capable of doing it and making it succeed but it's going to take some people uh, willing to you know put some dollars into it and return no expect no returns for for the time being right this is a build this is an investment right yeah i mean the canadian premier league with the men are playing in yeah. i mean that's that's losing money and they, right. they knew that going in um that it was going to take several years before they can get their head above water I wish we had more time because we could break down a little bit more of maybe, and I suggested this earlier, maybe they should have partnered with the CPL and played with those crests in those stadiums and filled some of those dates that they have. I know that there's CFL's teams there. There's a lot to get to. There is. We have a lot of time. Craig Forrest, everybody. Pleasure. All right, coming up, Nick Kiprios is going to drop by the studio. We'll see up the Leafs and the Stars. Marner and Robertson both on Hugh. This has never happened before. Plus, we'll get to Smoker Fire with Kipper next on Tim and Friends. Craig, always appreciate you doing this. Thanks, man. Pleasure. Back here for the final half hour on Tim and Friends. Still to come, Arash Madani looks at the candidates for Kennedy's, Canada's Athlete of the Year. I don't know what Kennedy is. It's a street in Toronto, but beyond that, Canada's Athlete of the Year. We just had one on the show in Laurent Duvernay Tardif. Plus, pretty good athlete Nick Kiprios in studio in moments before we send it to Hockey Central, hosted by our friend Ken Reed tonight. Look at Reader stepping up in weight class. I like it. Leafs and Stars coming your way. Sportsnet Ontario regionally. That gets going 8.30 Eastern time with more. Let's send it to Sean McKenzie in Dallas for a marquee matchup. Well, the last time the Maple Leafs were here in Dallas, they were celebrating Austin Matthews' franchise record-setting 56th goal. This time around, there's a new sheriff in town. You know, sheriff, Dallas, it, it works. But I'm talking about Jason Robertson. 
23 goals so far this season. He's on pace for more than 70. He is scoring at a ridiculous rate. He has been sensational this season. He has points in 18 straight games, looking to make it 19 tonight. He goes up against Mitch Marner, who's on a pretty good run of his own, looking to go 20 games straight with a point. In fact, it's the very first time in NHL history that two players have gone head-to-head who both have point streaks of 18 or more games. So it should be a fun match. For the Maple Leafs, we'll see a few lineup tweaks and a couple guys drawn to the lineup for the first time. Semyon Argachintsev makes his NHL and Maple Leafs debut. Well, on the blue line, Connor Timmins, who the Leafs acquired a few weeks ago, will finally make his Leafs debut. Thank you very much, Sean. In Winnipeg, the Jets host the Panthers in a familiar face as former coach Paul Maurice returns for the first time since resigning last December. He spent eight and a half seasons with the Jets. Earlier today, he was asked about what he sees with a rejuvenated Jet squad this season. No, I think that's what happens when you come out of Canada. I think that's fairly ubiquitous in each market when there's a coaching change, and, and that's what happens. So it's good for them. They needed a change. They needed a new voice. They got it. They're playing well. I'm happy for them. Class. In all four Canadian teams in action. Is that what you got for that? Was yeah. Class? Yeah, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> Senators, slight home favorites to the Kings. Jets, close to a coin flip against the Panthers. Leafs, slight underdogs in Dallas with the Habs. Huge dogs in Seattle. How the hell is Seattle playing this well? Uh, Habs are playing back to back. That's why they're huge dogs to baseball. And noted Jays free agent target off the market. Starter Andrew Heaney has reportedly signed with the Texas Rangers. Now, Heaney spent last season with the Dodgers. Jays remain quiet at the winter meetings, but lots of rumors circulating around their interest being in perhaps Cody Bellinger, who has struggled badly the last two years, but is looking for a one-year deal, prove-it deal, in and around the $20 million range. Speaking of lots and lots of money, as Nick Kiprios joins me in studio doing work to the final hour. Too sweet to be sad. How are you, buddy? I'm well. How's everybody? I want to tell a story before you uh, settle into a little hockey talk. Did you see what went on with Aaron Judge, John Heyman, and maybe kind of sort of jumping to conclusions a little early? I did, and uh, someone that's been in that kind of field over the last 20 years, uh, I feel for John a little bit. I do, too. I Um, do, too. Not so much for bad spelling, uh, but uh, missing Maybe spell check. Maybe a little spell check, but uh, I... it gives me a, a memory of uh, doing free agency for Sportsnet. And I had a very good source who mm. I've uh, been very accurate over the years for mm. me. And uh, it's free agency and it's Ryan Suter. Yeah. And he has Suter to Detroit. Yeah. And I wanted to verify it with somebody else. So I kind of just floated it out. I'm hearing Ryan Suter to Detroit. And mm. that's all I floated out. And then. Um, and then people started. It went. It went to Minnesota, and then people started just wailing on me in right. social media about being wrong on Detroit. So yeah. I send them a, a note back, and I'm like saying, "Yeah, you said uh, Ryan Suter to Detroit," and he said, "No, no, no. I asked you if you heard about Ryan Suter to Detroit oh, because I, no. I put a question mark at the end, and I'm like, 
Oh, I didn't see a question mark. No question mark. There's no punctuation, buddy. I needed a question mark. That's a tough one. And that was it. Yeah. That was it. Oh, he goes, I'm sorry. I forgot to put a question mark on you. For those who don't know what we're talking about, yeah. Jesse, can you help people out with what has transpired over the last hour with Aaron Judge? For sure I can. And maybe that's what happened with John Heyman because he starts, this is about 40 minutes ago now. He First tweet. Arson Judge appears headed to the Giants. So everybody's putting yeah. two and two together, but whatever. You assume it's Aaron Judge. So he follows up with three minutes later, Aaron Judge appears headed to the Giants. I love that he didn't take the first one down. Yeah, I respect that greatly. Especially, especially considering what transpired next. Yeah. Three minutes after that, Giants say they have not heard on Aaron Judge. My apologies for jumping the gun. All three of those tweets are still up. Next. Susan Slusser says, also rumblings among Giants players and other personnel that Judge is coming aboard, so maybe it's not looking so bad for Mr. Heyman after all. Mm-hmm. But, you know, being the, uh, I guess, witty digital team that we have here, we had to poke a little fun at John Heyman, so there you go. Is this Arson Judge? <laughs> you know, not that <laughs> I follow great base- memes. Not that I follow baseball a lot, but he's good. Yeah, he's and, good. And, you know, we're going to do a segment called Smoke and Fire. Mm-hmm. There, there's smoke here, right? <laughs> there there's is plenty smoke of smoke here. here. Yes. He may end Literally up being right. Literally and figuratively in that picture. Good. He may yeah. be right when it's all said and done. That, that's all. That's awesome. And we've seen that before, right? Like Tom Brady. We saw the, For the sure. full repertoire U.S. to the U.S. when it yeah. came to Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah. It's the new world we live in, and every once in a while, it backfires on you, and he might yet be proven Correct, as Kipper said. Way to bring it all together, Kipper. There you I'm go. Love fire. a little bow in there. Well, guy. I'm a host now, right? Yeah, no, you are a co-host of this show, too. And you're a co-host of I do it all. Real Kipper and Bourne. So let me ask you this, co-host of Real Kipper yeah. and Bourne. What are you looking for from tonight's Leaf Stars game in Dallas? Uh, somewhat of a, of, of a coming down to earth a little bit. Um, I think we're starting to see a little bit of signs that you're missing Morgan Riley right. and you're missing uh, Brody and you're missing a shutdown guy in Muzzin. I think they've done all a terrific job. I think tonight might be a sign that uh, uh, the guys have done a terrific job mm-hmm. uh, by committee. Uh, but this is a big, strong team with one of the hottest scorers in, in the hockey world right now and Jason Robertson. And uh, it's going to be a tough challenge I, for the Leafs. I did chuckle when I heard your producer slash co-host Sam McKee uh, jump in, I think it was with J.D. Bunkus, and say, I kind of sort of wish I would miss Morgan Riley a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> Tonight might be the night. Tonight might be the night? Yes. What, what do you make of We've been talking about Jason Robertson for a little bit yeah. here on the show. Um, we talked about how some people had him as the MVP favorite. I don't know how you can look at the league right now and not say, like, this guy has been MVP caliber. What do you make of what this guy's yeah. become quickly? Well, a, a great talent, no question about that. But I... I I look now at the chemistry that he has with his line. Uh, Pavelski is a guy that we thought would fade into the sunset along the lines yeah. of Patrick Marlowe and Joe Thornton, and he is just going the opposite way of the, the sunset. He's as smart and as good as he's ever been. And then they got this Rupe Hintz, yeah. who's a terrific, big, strong skating guy. Mm-hmm. And so you got the net front presence you got the middle uh, drive and then you got Jason Robertson who can find that uh, open area and shoot the puck so all three of them are having uh, terrific seasons and no question not only has Jason put himself into the forefront of, of being a very valuable player 
but the whole the whole line is uh, amongst uh, the very best right now. All right, more Leafs and Stars coming up as we get you set for Hockey Central. But uh, Kipper already did the tee up here. We're going to do a little smoke <laughs> or fire. I am a firm believer that when you smell smoke, you must investigate to see if there is fire. So Kipper, I'm going to give you a couple sentences. You tell yeah. me whether it's just smoke yeah. or we smell a little fire here. And I'm going to start yeah. with Brock Besser. Is he the first Canuck to go smoke or fire? Uh, Smoke on being the first one to go. This one's going to take a lot of time oh, here. Yeah. yeah, this is not an easy deal. And we hear that uh, there are teams out there like Calgary, um, Minnesota, hometown boy, right. Anaheim, that would probably love to take a look at it. Here's the biggest problem right now mm. is that Vancouver is now shopping him as a diminished asset. They're saying, we don't like him, but hey, take him. Right. He'd be great for you. And I don't get this. They should have been shining him up, not announcing uh, healthy scratches, and then just try to move him out. At his age and his ability to shoot the puck, there should have been enough interest. The reason why I don't think it's fired just yet is I, I really believe that Vancouver may have to eat two, two more years off of this and, and take 25 30% off of this. Wow. If they are able to bring his AAV down from six point uh, uh, eight right. down to four and a half, four six, they'll move him right away. But they're gonna have to eat some money off of this yeah, deal. And that's a team already up against the cap that hamstrings them. That's a tough spot to be in, but I get it. All right, Patrick Kane. Is it a fait accompli? Like does it make sense for him to stay in Chicago? Smoke or fire? Uh, no, I, I think there's some fire there. I, I, I would put it at 50-50 oh, really? on whether or not this guy gets traded or he stays. Let's not forget uh, he doesn't need to chase Stanley Cups. Right. And uh, I'm not sure Pat Kane wants to be that guy who gets traded as a rental and then has to shop again for another spot. If, in fact, there's a team that can present itself as a, a trade and then a, a sign then I think there's a bit better chance. But I don't think he's Are just the Rangers, gonna, that team, there's a lot of people. The Rangers can't afford to, to sign him long term. Right. I don't know if he wants to go there for a few months, right. live in a hotel, and think that uh, he knows he's got to go find another team somewhere else. Right. I really believe that there's also the chance that he could just stay in Chicago and say, hey, listen, um, next team, I'm going to pick. We'll be in the summer, right? And uh, it'll be on my terms, not yours, Chicago. There's a little friction there, by the right. way. That's interesting. Uh, Sean Monahan has done everything the Habs have asked yeah. him. Uh, that means they have to trade him, right? Smoke or fire? The Habs have to trade Sean. Monahan. Fire, yeah, without a doubt. And yeah, there's some talk that uh, hey, wouldn't it be nice maybe to find a way to have him stick around? Yeah, well, just trade him, get an asset, and then resign him in the, in the summer. Right. And that, you have to, if you're Montreal, be in a position to still uh, attract assets. And uh, good for him. He got himself healthy uh, as best he can. And uh, he, he looks like he's rejuvenated. Yeah, that was teams, a trying final year in Calgary for him. There are teams out there. Uh, Colorado's one of them that isn't ready to shop yet right. for a centerman. He could go in there and take the place of Kadri uh, February, March, uh, when, when the salaries come down. But he's put himself in a position where he can he can flip an asset uh, to the Montreal Canadiens. Last one quickly, Jacob Chikrin looks good, so is now yeah. the best time to sell him before he gets hurt again? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but if he's not getting hurt, 
then it's okay to wait this thing out. Right. The premium on defense continues to, uh, to, to, to be at the very height of all, all players in all positions. Brock Besser, wingers, it's a tough market for wingers. For defense like Chikrin, it's going to be huge. Arizona will get their price. Right. A lot of teams looking for defensemen. Uh, a lot of teams looking for potentially left-handed bats. Nick Kiprios, I'm not going to ask you about this. And outfielders, maybe specifically the Jays, looking for a little bit of both. Jesse, is there some breaking news from baseball's winter meetings Ooh. that we might... It's breaking news from uh, everyone's favorite source, John Heyman. Oh, we're going back to Heyman. Tie a little That's ball right. on this, baby. He, uh, he's still slinging. I have to say, uh, Blue Jays fans were rumored to be in the mix for Cody Bellinger. That is not happening. Bellinger to the Cubs. So for Blue Jays fans. For the first comment. Uh, yeah. First comment, you sure. Yeah. So we'll see if John Heyman backtracks on Cody Bellinger to the Cubs. But as of now, that is where that stands in the Blue Jays. A little bit of a feeling of like, Bridesmaidy type situation, missing out on a couple free agents here to start uh, the winter. Yeah, meetings. but I, I think if you had asked me before we started all this where we wanted to go with the Toronto Blue Jays, I would have thought the outfielder was a trade route. And whether you're looking to Pittsburgh and or Arizona, mm -hmm. maybe even the Cardinals as places to get your outfielder. Yeah. I think there might be some better options, even though that's a former MVP. So will we get numbers pretty quickly off of those that that deal? Well, your guess is as good as mine today. Because we were upstairs, we, we were upstairs <laughs> throwing Aaron Judge numbers oh, out. Aaron Judge numbers. That one's like one year, twenty million for Bellinger. He just it would want, be okay. He wants he wanted, just yeah. to prove it, deal. All right, and and Aaron Judge, we I, I said uh, 10, 11 years, and uh, I said close to half a billion. It's funny because like you immediately start at the two hundred thirteen and a half that he turned down over seven years with the Yankees. You know we're probably now over three hundred. If we're at 400, I would not be shocked for a reigning MVP who just broke. Could he get 10 or above years? For sure he could. Why not? I, what I a mean, Trey they're Turner giving Trey yesterday. Turner 11 years yeah. at 29 years old, right? Yes, for so, sure. Interesting. Uh, uh, we you have, were very, very close. Uh, Jeff Passan reporting, so shout out to Heyman. He's right on this one. Cody Bellinger and the Chicago Cubs, one year, $17.5 million. Yeah, so he did the one-year prove-it deal. Yeah. Chicago's a good place to do it, and we'll see uh, what ends up happening there. And they can sign him and trade him if they're not going to be a good team, too. So, All right, listen, we'll take one last break. Kipper, will you stick around? Absolutely. Jesse's always sticking around because he is the man. This is and fun. he will give us game time to close out what has been an unbelievable addition to Tim and Fett. So much stuff going on. Welcome back, friends. A tip of the cap to Tip O'Neill winner Jordan Romano. The Jays' closer announced today as the Canadian Baseball Player of the Year. Meantime, tomorrow we'll get Canada's Athlete of the Year as it's handed out. Oftentimes in the Olympic year, the honor reserved for a gold medalist, someone who's done huge on the Olympic stage. But 2022 has no shortage of decorated Canadians delivering big on the world stage all over sport. Arash Madani outlines some of the favorites for the renamed Northern Star Award. A loaded field yes. this year. Canadian sports is a good place. The bookends to his season were as great as his indoor run to end the year. Felix was front and center in January, helping Canada win the ATP Cup, then closed out 2022 on his racket 
when Canada lifted the Davis Cup trophy for the first time ever. Felix Auger-Aliassime completes an unbeaten week. Three of Auger-Aliassime's tour titles this season were in the month of October, had wins over Djokovic and soon-to-be rival Alcaraz, reached number six in the world at only age 22, and is only getting started with a ceiling that may be highest on tour. Brooke Henderson is a major champion again. Her second career major was the first of two trophies Brooke Henderson lifted this year. Henderson will finish sixth in the women's golf rankings this season, and no matter where she competed, consistently there on Sunday, especially in the biggest tournaments in the world. Henderson finished top 16 on the leaderboard in each of the five majors this season. Some days I, like, just during the day, I was like, is this a dream, you know, like, what I'm doing? It was a fairy tale reality for a 29-year-old who grew up coming to games inside a building that now has quite the ninth inning introduction for him. And then, then Jordan Romano would close from there. Some 36 times Romano saved games for the Blue Jays this year. His first half, good enough to send him to his first career All-Star game, and his overall body of work, making Romano just the fifth Canadian-born player ever to record a 30-save season in the big leagues. It's the heart of a champion for Marie-Philippe Poulin. It's unbelievable, her complete level. Another Olympics, another gold medal game, and yet again, Marie-Philippe Poulin scoring the game winner to put Canada atop the podium. Is there anything Poulain didn't do this year? A flag bearer at those Beijing Olympics, then her most productive tournament ever at a Winter Games. And when summer rolled around, it was the captain leading Canada to its first repeat women's world gold in nearly two decades. In the biggest games, on the grandest stages, Marie-Philippe Poulain, front and center in 2022. Conn Trophy winner, Kale McCarr. How historic was Kale McCarr's year? Only two others ever accomplished his feat. Win the Norris and the Conn Smythe in the same season. McCarr now in the same company as Bobby Orr and Nick Lidstrom. And in the NHL discussion, Connor McDavid has to be there. McDavid, just a breathtaking run. His Art Ross Trophy season, a precursor to the lights out playoffs he put together. He's the most dominant athlete in the world right now. 33 points on the way to the conference final, making McDavid one of only five players ever in a spring to average better than two points a night in double-digit postseason games. Sixteenth Paralympic Winter Games individual gold medal. That is absolutely sensational. Brian McKeever's three gold medals at the Paralympics in Beijing came at the ripe young age of 42. And it's the range of his work that makes it so remarkable. Atop the podium in the 1.2 kilometer sprint, all the way to the 20 kilometer classic. And 20 is the operative number here. That's the total number of career Paralympic medals McKeever has won, 16 of them gold, cementing his status as the world's most successful male para cross country skier ever. Mm, gentlemen, Jesse Rubinoff. Oh, Felix. Kipper. 
My dad's favorite, Brooke Henderson. I go Mary Philippe Poulain. Oh, look at that. Wow. She's never won one. Wow. She's been unbelievable. We'll break down the results tomorrow, however it goes. Game day starts right here. I'm Tim and Friends, and here's what's on tap tonight. Wings and Lightning follows Hockey Central on Sportsnet. Leafs and Stars is a regional game. That's on Sportsnet Ontario later. And we've got a good NBA doubleheader on Sportsnet 1, starting with our friend Kenny the Jet Smith and the crew on TNT. NBA tip-off, 7 Eastern, followed by LeBron and the Lakers in Cleveland. And the Mavs visiting Jamal Murray and the Nuggets. As for us, we continue with Ruby. Game time. Let's go. That is right. It is game time. Time for us to focus in on the games that we will be watching tonight. Gentlemen, the two hottest players in the NHL will go head-to-head in Dallas as Mitch Marner and the Leafs visit Jason Robertson. In the Dallas Stars, Marner is on a 19-game point streak, and Robertson has recorded a point in 18 straight, making it the first time in NHL history that players with active point streaks of 18 games or longer will share the ice. Kipper, will the streaks continue (laughs) tonight? Yeah, they will. I think uh, I'll probably get blamed if he gets shut out tonight, but (laughs) I I think Mitch has got a chance to to take this thing uh, 30, 30 plus. Oh, wow. Yeah, I do. You're not the only one, by the way. 30 uh, plus. Look at the odds on Bet Rivers. Uh, both Robertson and Marner to score a point. Minus 335 for Marner. Minus 375. So you're getting more than double your money if yeah. you say they won't score a point tonight. Marner's as dangerous shorthanded as he is on even strength and power play. It's... Uh, he gets, he gets plenty of looks. All right, speaking of Robertson, his hot start is a continuation of the way he finished last season. Since January 1st, nobody has scored more goals than Robertson. He got 54 in 76 games in the year 2022. What makes it more impressive is the fact that he's just 23 years old. Kipper, we had a conversation on the show with Merrick yesterday. Now that Matthews and McDavid are 25, Who's the best young player in the game? (laughs) Who's the best 23 and under player? We'll give you some suggestions here on who it may be. Who do you see as the best young player in the game right now? I really saw Brady Kachuk have a nice week here and just take the whole Ottawa Senator team on his shoulder. And you want to talk about a five-tool hockey player? Uh, That's it right there. I like what Jack Hughes has been doing. Rasmus Dahlin needs a little bit of love. He won't be on those points per game things, but see the hit that he made. We're starting to see some big hits again. Oh, my God, yeah. Are we not? Yeah. Isn't that nice? He looked Cronvallian in his hit (laughs) over the weekend. Uh, Without a doubt, I think it's fun. Yeah, people did think it was fun. People seem to like the, especially the Truba hit. Uh, let's go to NBA quickly here on Game Time. There will be plenty <laughs> Jesse's of star to start fire here. <laughs> on display. Well, I think we all agree that we, we like the hitting. Uh, it's an NBA doubleheader tonight on Sportsnet 1. Last season's MVP Nikola Jokic and the Nuggets host Luka Doncic in the Mavs. And LeBron returns to Cleveland as the Lakers visit the Cavs. But it's been Anthony Davis who's been the Lakers' best player lately. He's got 99 points in the last two games. And fans in Washington chanting, MVP on Sunday. Timmy, does he belong in the MVP conversation? No, they got to do more for me for him to actually get it. I mean, listen, him and Shea, like Shea Gilgis Alexander is not among the favorites to win MVP. Then Anthony Davis can't be there. The only reason he's there is because of his name and where he plays. Let's be honest. There are a lot of great names on that list of potential NBA MVPs. Right now, I think it's Jason Tatum, but it's amazing how close it is. There's a lot of guys that could win really easily in the NBA. 
Are they, are they uh, uh, more advanced in their season than the NHL right now? That, uh, they're about 20, they're about 20? 25 games in. Yeah. I hate that conversation so much. <laughs> Come on, calm down, people. I enjoy our Let them play a regular yeah. season. <laughs> Let it play out a little bit, says Kipper. <laughs> I tend to agree. Uh, Kipper here, thank you very much. Right. Jesse over there, thank you very much. Timmy over here, as always, thank you very much. Kenny Reed, pinch hitting Hockey Central, next. Go get him, Reader. Right.